Welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone, and joining me remotely is Josh Newberg. Uh, fingers crossed that the audio is going to keep up this time. If not, blame Comcast or whoever Josh is using down in uh, the St. Pete area. But uh, we got a couple recruiting items to go to uh, today. Let's start off, though, with Justin Fields. It's the name that I think we talk about just about every week, and, and for good reason. Uh, FSU's in need of a quarterback. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the 2018 class, and, and there's some news kind of kind of settling in with Justin Fields. Uh, Josh, will you take the lead there and let us know what's up with, with Fields and kind of where FSU stands with him right now? Yeah, Brendan, uh, thanks for having me back on the podcast, even though I had to force my way in this morning. Yeah, I got a, I got a very mopey text message begging to, to be on the podcast, but you don't have to, to, to beg anytime you want. Did you ask Chris to come on? I didn't ask anyone to came, come on. This is your show. You called for an emergency podcast. You had things you wanted to talk about. This is your platform, and I'm here for you just to kind of kind of let you do your thing. I'm like a fullback. Okay. You're like a glorified running back. I'm just going to open up holes, and you're just going to score the touchdowns. That's where we're at right now. Let's do it. Yeah, I really uh, have two things I want to hit on. I want to talk about Justin Fields' recruitment and where things stand with that. And then I also want to talk about uh, the satellite camps that I attended this weekend at USF. Uh, Saturday and Sunday were both satellite camps. And I want to talk about why Florida State is not doing satellite camps and what they're missing out on. And also why I don't think they can do satellite camps, even if they wanted to. So um, first of all, on Justin Fields, you know, there's there's been rumors that he's going to come in for a visit. We've all known that he's, he was going to make a return visit after his April trip. So how many visits this summer, we don't know yet, but we do know Chris confirmed with a source this morning that said Fields will be at Florida State and they expect him to throw on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday's the first day of Jimbo Fisher camp, so Fields should be there for that afternoon session, it sounds like. Uh, probably get a visit with the staff in the morning, do the tours and stuff, and have a uh, full-day visit on Wednesday that would also include him out on the field in the afternoon throwing. Well, so yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was gonna say with with Justin. So he came, like you said, in April, and that was what after the spring game, and that was for like, what forty five minutes or something like that. We talked a little bit on the podcast previously. This is gonna be just a completely different animal, right? With what Florida State's gonna be able to do with with him during the during the week, just to have him kind of visit and see around. This is gonna be a, a much more detailed detailed trip, I imagine, right? Yeah, this is this is what they wanted. This is um, what see. So, you got to look at his recruitment and the way that we've been covering it, the way that we've been following it. And this is just the next step in the process of what kind of we've said is going to happen all along. Mm -hmm. Um, It started with contact in the spring, you know, Florida state reached out to Justin Fields, as we said, Uh, they got the ball rolling in April when after he visited and he was offered. And we said after that, you know, okay, now Florida state needs to go visit him in the spring. They went the two times that you're allowed to. They they went and visited him during spring practice. Then Jimbo got involved. Then we got on the podcast a week after that and said, look, we expect him to decommit before the opening. Both Chris Nee and I were hearing that from separate sources. And sure enough, he decommitted about eight days after that podcast, I think, maybe even less. Um, so everything's kind of happening, as we said. So we said the decommit needed to happen, and then the next step was you – FSU needs to get him back on campus on Wednesday. We expect that to happen. So while fans have been freaking out about Justin Fields recruitment, you have to under, you just have to have patience because not everything's going to happen at at once. At the beginning of June, he was at the elite 11 in in Arizona or California, wherever that was. So 
that's not a recruiting time. Like he's focused on winning that competition. He's traveling, he's doing these things outside of recruiting. So everything just takes time. Now Florida state gets him on campus. We usually look back at recruitments and we, we can see turning points in recruitments like Joshua Kando. Um, almost everybody that has signed with Florida state at some point, you can kind of look at their recruitment and say, this is when it started going in Florida state's direction. So I think when we look back at Fields' recruitment, if he ends up at Florida State, I think this weekend could end, end up being one of those turning points for him um, because he's going to work one-on-one with Jimbo Fisher. We know that that's what Jimbo's been waiting for. Now, fans haven't been this patient, but this is lining up exactly like the way that I think Jimbo Fisher planned it out. So you get him here in June. Now you have the whole rest of summer to get him back on campus, whether he comes back and throw or visits, it doesn't matter at this point because you got him in this week and he, and he's throwing. Um, then you follow, you know, if he doesn't make his decision in the summer, you get him on campus again for an official visit and it all kind of has to happen in order and it just takes time. So I'll see him at IMG, whether even he makes it, you know, we fully do expect him to visit and throw on Wednesday, but even if he doesn't, um, I'm going to be at IMG on the weekend with team Tampa and, you know, he's coming down with his Cam Newton team. Um, so I'll either be able to talk to him about why he didn't make it, or I'll, I'll get to talk to him a couple of days after his visit has maybe worn off and he can probably talk about it in more detail. So um, we'll have this Justin Fields uh, storyline going for the rest of the week. So two, two questions with, with Justin Fields. So one, is it fair to say, that he has become the priority for Florida State's quarterback board. We've talked about that board being very fluid and still kind of in the very infant stages as, as they're playing catch-up a little bit after Malik Henry left in that 2018 class. And then, two, um, if if Justin Fields does indeed come, uh, like like we're predicting that he's going to be on, on campus this week, I guess what does Florida State need to kind of accomplish to, to feel good about where they're at with him? What do they need to show him? What are the, kind of the goals, of I guess, of, of his time at Florida State? Yeah, they need to show them around campus. They need to um, get to the academic stuff. But really, it's going to come down. Florida State, just, that's, what, that's where they thrive. They thrive on when um, kids come on campus and they can show them around. And that's what Florida State does best. These on-campus visits are, are, are easy for Florida State. And um, they're going to do a great job with them. They always do. You know, how many times do we come away talking about how bad of a time a recruit had, whether it was an official visit or a camp visit? These things always go well. So as long yeah. as he gets on campus, um, it's going to take it's going to proceed to the next step in his recruitment to Florida State. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just part of it's just part of his recruitment. This is just one piece of his recruitment. Like this isn't going to be the end. This isn't going to. Um, Florida State's going to be in a better position moving forward. Yeah, this is essentially the, the beginning, the infant stages of his Correct. recruitment. It, is it fair to say that he's kind and, of emerged and, and, as and the – Is he fair to – you yeah. also asked, was he – where does he rank on the QB board? Yeah. I mean, really after the, guy? the uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson commitment to UCLA, that that pretty much put Justin Fields in the crosshairs as the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida State's not done recruiting Trevor Lawrence either, mm-hmm. Clemson quarterback commitment. And I, I think he's going to show up at camp on campus one time, at least once this summer. Mm-hmm. So what happened, you know, one, once he shows up on campus, that's going to change quarterback recruiting. That's going to throw a, throw a wrench in what everybody thinks is going on. So fields is, is probably the number one guy, most realistic target on the board right now, but we'll see who else shows up. 
who else comes to camp and how they do and how the coaching staff reacts to, to the, their performance. You know, it could shake up the board for all we know. Josh Newberg is just dropping bombs on the Knowles 24-7 podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, too bad nobody listens. Nope, no one. Um, That's why I wanted to get Chris Neewith on, on with me because I feel like if I get Chris on, we have a chance that people are going to listen to this. Are you saying that I alone with you do not carry the podcast? I think that's that's how I'm interpreting that. Um, no, I'm just saying Chris, Chris is the one that they're here for. He's that's the magic why man. people pay the money to <laughs> be on the site, so – well, these, he, he's currently gems, he's, I'm sure. he's emotionally hungover from spending I think 12 hours at Dick Hauser Stadium on uh, on Sunday. So we'll yeah. have baseball talk later in the week, guys. I'm sure, but that's not what this podcast is since Josh and I are not big baseball guys. So, uh, anyways, let's transition uh, from from Justin Fields to satellite camps. Josh, you were at USF for the satellite camp, and uh, I think the big news there was that what Nick Saban of Alabama, who spent a ton of time kind of like Jimbo Fisher, kind of pooping on. Uh, I can say shit, right? Pooping, not, not around me. No, defecating. I try to keep. I try to keep it professional on these podcasts. Mm, that's what the big three roll-ups for is letting loose. This is this is more the uh, the buttoned up. Well, this is my this is my platform though to kind of let loose. So oh, okay. let's just say he was de- <laughs> Saban Fisher. A lot of defecating on satellite camps from these big coaches, and uh, Saban shows up to uh, to the USF satellite camp. So you were there covering that. What was <laughs> what was it like when Saban showed up? Were you surprised by that? Um, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting weekend. Um, how, what, how much time are we at? How much time? Have we I don't know. This before? does it by seconds. We're at 293 seconds or something like that. I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't sound Terrible, right either. <laughs> All right. So we haven't been on that long. I just want to talk about the, the satellite camp because I don't think everybody understands them. I've been to several now. I've been to, um, FAU and Ohio state in 2015. I believe I've been to, I've been to several and this weekend USF was having one on Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, they teamed up with Alabama, Toledo, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, Bowling Green, Mercer. Um, I may be missing a few smaller schools. All the, State all, was there, I know. All the powerhouses in the southeast. Yeah, and then on Sunday, they teamed up. It, it was mainly Ohio State, Mississippi State, and then a lot of the teams, that the smaller programs that were there from the day before. So basically the headliners were Alabama on Saturday and Ohio State on Sunday. And, you know, I get to the camp and um, I know Brent Key, who Brendan knows as well from his time at UCF. And Brent tells me that um, Saban's coming and he had to host a visitor on campus and then was going to hop on the private jet and be at camp around 1230 or one o'clock. So um, I, you know, he tipped me off to that. And I quickly realized that this would be the first satellite camp that Nick Saban had ever attended after being very outspoken and everything about it. This was, you know, him showing up at a camp. So, um, I guess he got caught up at the camp that they were putting on at Alabama and he didn't get out of his office until a little bit later. So he didn't arrive to the camp until one o'clock, uh, right as it was pretty much ended. And, during the camp, Brent Key, they sent three coaches. They sent Brent Key, Mike Oxley, and a defensive GA. Um, they all flew down on the same plane with Jeremy Pruitt and Tosh, the linebacker coach. Pruitt and Tosh went to FIU. That was the second satellite camp that they were doing that day. So um, Brent Key and Mike Oxley didn't really work the camp that much. They, they kind of did were involved in some early drills and things. But after that, they really focused on um, – two guys that were there, uh, two offensive linemen, one 2019 kid, Devery Hammond, that's committed to them, 
and then another one, Nicholas Petit Faree, who's at Berkeley Prep. And neither of those two guys were working out. So Brent Key really just, they were just together for a couple hours. And then um, right about one o'clock, Nick Saban arrived and he came through a side gate. There was about 350 kids at the camp. And at the time the camp was ending, Saban comes through the side gate. And I'm pretty sure 90% of the kids at the camp had no idea Nick Saban was there. He came in the side. He immediately met with um, uh, John Dixon, who's a 2019 corner. He's a, he's a Team Tampa guy. He got offered by Alabama on Tuesday. So he immediately comes in and meets with John Dixon, Warren Thompson, and Armwood running back Jerome Ford. Um, I watched you know him, him kind of interact with those guys one-on-one for about three to five minutes each, and they rotated him through, and then – I was told afterward he met with Nicholas Petit Fury in the in the commit, and then he got out of there, and then he went to FIU. All the coaches Loxley and um, Loxley and Brent Key got on the on the plane with Saban, and they flew to FIU. Um, from what I saw from video from FIU, it looked like Saban was actually involved in that camp. Um, I saw a video of him addressing the kids. Uh, I think just the timing of it all in, in Tampa kind of limited him on what he could do and, and he didn't want to make a big scene and you know he kind of just wanted to slide in and slide out and that's what he did um on sunday urban was there uh, greg shiano was there Kerry coombs was there tony alford the running back coach was there uh, mississippi state had a couple coaches but i didn't see dan mullen i don't i don't think he was there uh the ohio state coaches pretty much did the same thing that the alabama coaches did the day before they uh were slightly hands-on during some some drills, but by 40 minutes into the camp, you know, they were on the sidelines talking with some of the guys, some of the top names that were there. And of course they weren't participating. So they were visiting with those guys. Urban Meyer was visiting with those guys. Uh, at the end of the camp, I've seen Urban address the kids like at FAU. Uh, Saban addressed the kids at FIU the day before. Charlie Strong was the only coach to even say anything at the end. Uh, Urban didn't get up and make a big speech or anything. So that's kind of how they go. That's what I saw. But, but so what's interesting, particularly interesting to, to me about that is you have, I mean, these figureheads, these big, you know, name coaches in college football, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, you know, showing themselves, you know, making, making their presence kind of felt uh, in places that are kind of outside their foothold, like not in their main region of, of recruiting. Um, and, and I guess that brings us to Florida State, which, you know, has not been active in satellite camps, hasn't done anything. And, it was a year ago, I think, that Jimbo Fisher was was calling you know, pan, calling the satellite camps Pandora's box. He was saying there are issues, and he kind of became begrudgingly accepting that you maybe you have to to do that, and then ultimately decided no that that satellite camps were not what he wanted. Um, but you know maybe you can kind of provide insight, Josh, like why you know currently why that hasn't shifted, why you know like a Nick Saban who also took a similar stance has kind of embraced that to an extent. Uh, and well, why Florida State me, isn't there let yet? Me explain kind of what I saw because mm-hmm. I don't think Nick wanted to be there whatsoever. Nick has had a, a very hard stance that satellite camps are not good, correct? Uh, he, for for numerous reasons, which I pretty much agree with him as well. And I got a lot of uh, feedback on Twitter and things uh, that Nick Saban was a hypocrite for for showing up at 
these satellite camps now. He also runs RPOs and bad map those for you know three or four years too. So Nick Saban, I don't, uh, I don't think adapts. Nick Saban's a hypocrite at all. No, he, he think, you got to adapt. I and think survive. what Nick Saban is doing is genius. I think he's putting his ego aside. Mm-hmm. He understands that there that this is legal and there is a benefit from doing them. So even though he doesn't agree with them, he can put that aside and and realize like there are benefits because it's legal. So I need to capitalize on this. So to me, I don't think he's a hypocrite at all. I think he is um, just very competitive and he understands things from a, from a bigger level. Like if he just understands that he has an opportunity and it's there and he's going to cash in on it. And I kind of see why Um, a good example is like some of these younger kids, John Dixon, he's a corner from Tampa. He, he goes to Wharton High School where Auden Tate and Vernon mm-hmm. Hargraves are from. He's a four-star player. I think he's, he's very good, maybe never a five-star, but he's a very good corner. And he's going to be a, a top DB in the state of Florida. So he goes on a bus tour to a couple of schools, and he hit Alabama on Tuesday. He picked up an Alabama offer at camp. He earned it, um, and he met Nick Saban face-to-face. Five days later, Nick Saban goes to see him face-to-face like these contacts in recruitment especially face-to-face contacts like that can go so far it's invaluable and now look at john dixon he's a kid from tampa that just picked up an offer and he's already met nick saban twice like if alabama chooses to really push for him Mm -hmm. and recruit him down the road they're going to absolutely have an in with him because Mm -hmm. of this yeah it's it's huge so why i mean you mentioned ego and uh you know nick Nick saban's done a really good job like like i said with the on-field stuff with the run pass option he's he's altered his stance even though it's something he doesn't like but but here's the thing about like you know same thing with recruiting and, and the satellite camps like not only if you're if you're not doing that not you're not getting the benefit from them but then if others are getting the benefit from them that means you're falling behind um so then why i guess is florida state not yeah, choosing not I, to I do you have an idea that's a good question what to, what benefit does florida state get by not doing a camp Rest like, for its coaches. I mean, kind of. I mean, that would be the only thing is is Jimbo looking at the level of, of not wanting his coaches to have to travel any more than they already do, and, and thinking that there's some value to that. Or maybe, or maybe the fact that like he's worried about if he goes on these camp on these satellite trips, then kids won't come to his campus. Maybe, and then you know, we know Jimbo loves his his camp, and he really does value the the amount of people that they get there. Yeah, how many how many recruits are supposed to be or just not even recruits so, forget about recruits just how many kids show up to those I, I here i think i think Florida state is i think that they could benefit from doing satellite camps and traveling to satellite camps however they might not have a choice in the matter they might not be able to do satellite camps financially or just just with the administration USF turned down I found uh-huh. I made a phone call this morning because I, I I felt like Florida State was, you know, falling behind because they're not attending these camps after seeing what I saw. Mm-hmm. I I spoke to somebody at USF this morning and I was told Illinois was turned down, Syracuse was turned down, Indiana was turned down because those are all teams that have come into the Tampa Bay area and taken recruits that US that USF wants. Mm-hmm. So I asked. I said, so would Florida State have been allowed? I was told, hell no, no other team in the state would have been allowed. Miami, UF, FSU, they would not have, USF wasn't going to allow those schools to come on their campus. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they do battle for some kids. Um, sometimes USF can get a kid to stay home just because, you know, playing at home. So um, Florida State couldn't do the camp in Florida. 
UCF's not going to team up with them. No, but would you think? But no, I don't. I, but then I would say this is is I believe the new legislation. Then I I could be talking on my ass here. I believe the new legislation with the NCAA is going to allow for for non FBS schools or non FCS, so Division two schools, Division three to host satellite camps. So Florida State could right. go to a set, but then you have to drum up enough interest. You know, with the and, and the other thing to look at is where does Florida State one. need to do satellite camps? The only Texas. place they really need to do satellite camps in is in South and Central Florida, yeah, Texas, and maybe probably not even Georgia yeah, because you're close enough in Tallahassee. And now you're going to prevent kids from coming to campus. Yeah, like if if you do a, a, a satellite camp at Georgia State, mm-hmm. you're probably going to hurt yourself in the long run because kids are going to say, "Well, I would I came to Georgia State." camped with them why would i come to tallahassee mm-hmm. but we know that you need to come to tallahassee like the the one of the reasons for state recruits so well is because of tallahassee and everything that campus has to offer mm-hmm. so maybe you do one in alabama so i was interested in texas and i was talking to somebody this morning and i said you know if if they can't do one in florida why not texas they said where are you going to do it texas isn't going to let them on campus baylor tcu uh none of those schools i said houston you know, they don't recruit against Houston. I said they and, – and the city of Houston is where they've been getting their players. And he said – he made a great point. He goes, everything that Tom Herman has going on right now, he's – him and Major Applewhite are really good friends. Mm-hmm. He said there's no way Major Applewhite is going to do that to Tom Herman and allow Florida State to come in. So, you know, Florida State – yeah, they could go do one at Toledo or – you know, but they don't need to go do that. Mm-hmm. So to me, Florida State might be getting boxed out of this whole satellite camp. It might, while I do think Florida State is is missing out, and and this isn't the end all be all. You, this is just a piece of the recruiting puzzle. So because I say Florida State's missing out on satellite camps, I'm not saying they're going to recruit terribly. I still think you know things are going to go, but it's something that I think they could take advantage of. However, they might not even be able to if they wanted to. Well, it, at the very least, it's. I mean, yeah, like like you said, it's not that Florida State. You gotta find a dancing partner. <laughs> I'm trying to look. I mean, did did Florida go to satellite camps last year? Um, I'm trying to look it up right now if they went. I think that I think Florida Gators may have. So I do know that Florida State a year ago definitely looked and explored the idea of satellite camps, uh, and that was Jimbo Fisher was initially opposed to it, like I said, and then he kind of came around to the idea of at least exploring it, and then for some reason it kind of fell to you know fell to the to the wayside there and, and never really materialize in anything. So, uh, yeah, I guess neither of us have a concrete, you know, answer as to why Florida State's not doing the satellite camps. It looks like there's maybe a couple different moving pieces as to why. I think we both kind of agree, though, that that if you, you're Florida State and you're able to, like you kind of need to at least explore those ideas or at least the possibility of it a little bit more because it, it is a valuable tool that, again, others are doing it. It's something that you just can't afford to get passed up on if others are using that as a tactic. Even if it just makes a difference for one or two recruits like it is for Alabama, it's worth exploring. Uh, let's kind of kick things or finish things off, Josh, with uh, Florida State's camp. You mentioned it early in the podcast. It starts on Wednesday, goes through Friday, and this is a big deal for Florida State. Like They do bring in a bunch of recruits and just a bunch of kids in general uh, twice uh, during the summer for, for a couple days at a time, and, and it's a chance for the coaches to – to interact with players and get to know them at, at a closer level is a huge evaluation part, uh, part of the process for Florida State. Uh, we saw it last year with Kyle Myers was a guy who kind of emerged for them. You see this every year that someone in the in the summertime kind of kind of emerges. Uh, so I got the list of guys that are going to this camp that we've been able to confirm so far. Uh, 
We got Justin Fields on the list, which is obviously a big one. Jay Struder at quarterback. Uh, going down, we have some running back commits like uh, Joshua Corbin, Charles Strong. Josh, what are things that you're looking for, I guess, in, in the next couple of days here at the camp? And what can people kind of expect for, for the camp to, to be like? For those who can't attend, like, what does the camp look like? Yeah, um, I'll be heading up there tomorrow. Uh, I'll get in Tallahassee around Tuesday evening so I can be <clears throat> so I can be ready for check-in, which will probably begin like around 11 a.m. Um, on Wednesday, they just have an afternoon session. So we'll be out there. Um, they get out. They do stretch. Then they get into position groups. They go through position drills. They work with the coaches. Um, and then they bring them in for a little bit of one-on-one. Uh, then they wrap it up with seven-on-seven. Every session pretty much goes like that. Then they bring them back into the indoor facility. The kids check out. You know, we'll do our interviews. We'll we'll, we'll talk. We'll figure who who stood out. Uh, we'll do write ups after each session. On Thursday, there's two sessions. There's a morning and an afternoon. And then on Friday, there's one session, and it's in the morning. And like I said, each day is exact. Each session is exactly the same each day. The the way that they go through. Um, but what we'll see is different kids showing up because they kind of sell it as a la carte. Mm-hmm. Like if you're attending their camp. You don't have to pay for all three days if you don't want to. You can you can come and pay to work out the Wednesday afternoon session if that's all you want to do. So we never really um, – we kind of see a different group of kids every session. Uh, you look at the, the list of visitors, and it's not like we're going to be watching these kids Monday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. They'll probably come in for like one day at a time, <laughs> except for Charles Strong, who always comes in for all three days and camps all three. <laughs> So he'll probably be there, and that's why they love Charles Strong uh, because that's kind of his his whole attitude. Um, it should be should be fun. We're gonna have a bunch of updates for you guys. Uh, both Josh and Chris will be kind of spearheading the recruiting coverage. I'll be there just to kind of hang out and take some video and, and whatnot. Pop Ferrante, I think, will show up too. So we'll all be there, and maybe we'll do a a podcast after the uh, after the week to kind of kind of talk about things. How does that sound, Josh? You you down for another podcast this week? Two in one week. I'm here for it. Exciting stuff. All right. Well, I think that'll kind of conclude the uh, the podcast for this week. Again, we'll have one, I think, later on if uh, if both uh, Bob and Chris are, are recovered from from just uh, another long weekend at uh, Dick Houser Stadium. But anyways, for now, for the recruiting version of the podcast, uh, this is Brendan Sinone. Thanks to Josh Newberg for joining me. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.